I'm very excited um, just that we, you know, we get to, you know, gather here together. And uh, yeah, we're just going to have an awesome time this morning. Amen. I, I was just originally here for the pizza, but and then, uh, <laughs> um, awesome. So the message today is called Waiting for Christmas. How many of you guys are excitedly waiting for Christmas? I can't believe it's almost already here. I, I just finished my first semester of college, actually, which is crazy. And I feel like I just started. Right, and I just had my last finals on Wednesday, so I'm, I'm noticing as I'm getting older that the years are just flying by. You know, everyone always says that, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, when you're growing up, it's like, yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> but, like, when you actually get there, it's like, how is it December 18th? <laughs> but, um, so, just to open up, I have um, a couple of real-life letters to Santa that were written by some kids. Are you guys ready to hear these? They're pretty awesome. It says, the first one says, Dear Santa Claus, when you come to my house, there will be cookies for you. But if you're real hungry, you can use our phone and order a pizza to go. That's my kind of kid. <laughs> I, hope my, I hope my kid's like that. <laughs> and then this one says, Dear Santa, I want a puppy. I want a playhouse. Thank you. I've been good most of the time. Sometimes I'm wild. Points for honesty there. That's good. <laughs> well, this, this kid's the real honest one. This is a four-year-old. It says this, simply. I'll take anything because I haven't been that good. <laughs> there you go. At least, at least they know. <laughs> and finally, dear Santa, I'm not going to ask you for a lot. Here's my list. The Etch-A-Sketch animator, two packs of number two pencils, cradle of fat markers, and the big gift. Are you guys ready? The big ticket item because there's always one. My very own TV, flat screen TV. And then listen to this. Listen to this. Well, maybe you could drop the pencils. I don't really want to be selfish. <laughs> right, so Christmas is often associated with waiting, right? We're all waiting for something. This year, Christmas came a little bit early. I was uh, fortunate enough to be gifted this, uh, the new amp that I have here. But have, have, you guys, have you guys done, like, a lot of your shopping online this year at all? But that's, it's a really great thing because then, you know, all the malls are just crazy this time of year. So you can do all your shopping, you know, literally from your your iPad, laptop, whatever it is. But literally, how many of you guys, when you order online, you check that shipping thing every single hour, right? You're just, like, tracking it the whole way, right? But everyone's always waiting for something for Christmas, right? And I have a couple questions for you guys. What are you waiting for this Christmas, right? Are you guys longing for anything? Maybe it's a gift, something deeper than that. What are you expecting to receive? Are you looking forward to anything special this Christmas, in the Gospel of Luke, we come across two characters, everyone say two characters, that's right, who make their appearance in the final act of the Christmas drama. One is named Simeon, and the other is a woman named Anna, right? So these aren't our traditional Christmas characters, you know, they're not in any nativity set or anything, but they actually are very significant players in the Christmas pageant. Both of these individuals were waiting for something, or actually they were waiting for someone more accurately. Luke uses a Greek word of anticipation that identifies them as waiting with expectation. Everyone say, waiting with expectation. Waiting with expectation for the coming of the Messiah or their Savior. It literally means that they were alert to his appearance and ready to welcome him. How many in your own lives are alert to God's appearance and ready to welcome him in your life? Right? We see this word in Luke 2.25 in reference to Simeon when we read that he was waiting. And in 2.38 to describe Anna that she was looking forward to. 
So first we're going to get into Simeon here. Um, I, w- I invite you to open up to uh, Luke chapter 2. We're going to be starting in uh, verse two 25, and you can just keep your, uh, keep your finger there. Keep it open on your e-Bibles. Luke 2.25. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. It says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon was righteous before people, and he was devout in his relationship with God. I'm just going to pray real quick. Father God, I just thank you for the reading of your word. God, I pray that you would just move powerfully in the service, God, that you would just speak through me. In your name we pray. Amen. So things weren't really going that well for the nation of Israel during this time. right? They hadn't heard from God for many years, and they were under Roman rule. So double whammy there. They had lost their political independence and were living in fear of the capable, crafty, and cruel King Herod. And many were wondering if the Messiah would ever come. Verse 26 shows us that Simeon had good reason for this hope and anticipation. Because it says this, verse 26, it, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That's a pretty good promise, right? You will not die until you see the Messiah that everyone is waiting for. Simeon's expectation focused on the comfort that Christ would bring. Among Jews of Simeon's day, one of the popular titles of Messiah was Comforter, right? Like some of the Christmas songs that we sing, they were all longing for the Messiah to come and bring his comfort to them. It strikes me that the desire to be comforted is a universal human need, right? We all have that. At some point in our lives, we all need to be comforted. We all struggle with emptiness, insecurity, depression. And in fact, Christmas, the Christmas season is one of the highest times for, for depression, uh, statistically speaking. And the Holy Spirit prompted Simeon to go to the temple courts at just the right time, on just the right day, that Joseph and Mary were bringing their infant Jesus to the temple. Pretty crazy coincidence, right? When Simeon looked at the baby Jesus, now about six weeks old, he knew that God's promise had been kept. Here was Emmanuel. Here was God with us, right? That's literally what Emmanuel translates to, God with us, to make everything right, to provide significance by his presence and to eliminate rejection, fear, and loneliness, three things that I think every one of us have struggled with at some point in our lives. Verse 28 of Luke 2 says that Simeon reached down and took Jesus out of Mary's arms and began to praise God. Let me just pause here real quick. How many of you guys are parents here? Show of hands. All right, how would you guys respond if some old guy <laughs> came over to you and just took your kid and just started singing? It was pretty crazy, right? But, I mean, Simeon wasn't really that, like, scary looking, so it was, it was cool. But, they, but, you know, Simeon just starts praising. He lifts up Jesus and just starts praising God for them because he knows this is what everyone is waiting for. This is the Messiah. This is the comforter, right? And as he broke into praise, he acknowledged that God had not only fulfilled the individual promise to him, but also the promises to the prophets to send the anointed one to comfort both the Jews and the Gentiles or the non-Jews. So that's Simeon. Simeon's waiting for comfort. Everyone say, Simeon's waiting for comfort. All right, so that's our first character. Now we're going to get into Anna. She's our second. Anna is waiting for forgiveness. The other Christmas character is Anna, right? After her husband died, she had dedicated herself to fasting and praying in the temple. She was literally in the temple or their church every single day fasting and praying, the Bible says. 
She was looking forward to the same person that Simeon was, but with a different orientation. Instead of looking for comfort, Anna was looking for forgiveness. Let's take a look at verse 38, chapter 2, verse 38. It says, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who they were looking forward to, the redemption of Jerusalem. The word redemption is related to the idea of captivity. The Old Testament Passover and the release of Israel from Egyptian slavery stood in Anna's day as the ultimate redemption and the symbol of God's power to release captives. Right, so every all the Jews of that day remembered, okay, remember when God brought us out of Egypt, right? We just spoke about that a couple months ago, right? God delivering the Israelites from Egypt. And that was like the gold standard of God's presence in their lives, right? They're always like, let's get back to that. Let's get back to, you know, when God moved powerfully, he took us from Egypt, that redemption, right? And they, that the Passover pointed ahead to the day when God would provide deliverance from the slavery of sin, When Anna saw Jesus, she gave thanks to God and spoke of him to all who were waiting for redemption. Here at last was the one who would save his people from their sins. Right? So comfort and forgiveness, those are the two main things that these people are waiting for. When Jesus came, he provided the very things that Simeon and Anna were waiting for. God's comfort and his forgiveness. Let me ask you a question. What are you waiting for this Christmas? What are you waiting for? Whatever it is, I promise you that Jesus can give it to you. That's not to, you know, look at him like Santa Claus, like, God, I'm really waiting for that BMW to pull up in my driveway. (laughs) Like, think deeply, you know, past the, the monetary things, past the material things. What are you really waiting for? What are you asking for? Can any of you identify with Simeon? You know, maybe you're looking for that comfort in your life. Right? Maybe you're really hurting right now. You feel empty, alone, afraid, maxed out, stressed out. Too much Christmas shopping piling up. Too many things piling up. Maybe you just need to be comforted. If so, you can find what you're looking for in Jesus. He comes to console us right where we are. You know, I think a lot of people think that you need to you know, maybe doctor yourself up a little bit before you come into church. You, know, you don't want to come in, you know, I just, I just went out partying last night. I got I to gotta wait a week, you know, let it wear off before, before I come into church. No, God meets you right where you are. You don't need to make yourself any better than what you are right now, right? You always hear people say, oh, I can't, I can't go into that church. It'll, it'll burn down around me, right? The, the whole door is going to collapse. No, like God wants to meet you right where you are because he loves you for you. Or maybe you identify more with Anna, right? Are you plagued with the guilt this Christmas because of something you've done or the way you've been living? Are you in a sin cycle that you can't break out of, right? Maybe you need forgiveness. If you need forgiveness, Jesus can give it to you right now, this morning. And I can think of no better time than Christmas to do just that. That is the best gift you can ever receive, a real living relationship with God, right? That's better than any gift that you're going to get this year. So there are three action steps from this passage that will help you experience God's comfort and forgiveness this Christmas season. Right? So the first step is become a marveler. Become a marveler. It says, when Joseph and Mary tried to process everything that was happening, verse 33 says that they marveled at what was said about Jesus. They were marveling at what Simeon was saying about Jesus. According to the dictionary, to become a marveler, is to be filled with wonder, astonishment, and a surprise. Right? Are you a marveler this Christmas? 
Or are you too caught up in the busyness and the stress of the season, right? Are you too worried about getting this person this, going here, going to your families, coordinating the plans? Or are you, have you been running around because of the holidays? Or are you taking time to make this Christmas a holy day? Has Christmas become too predictable, too familiar? Have you heard the Christmas story so much that it no longer astonishes you? Right? I think for those of us who've been around the church for a while, it's easy to get numb to this thing, right? You know, we hear, okay, Jesus was born, right? The, the wise men come. We hear it every year. It's really easy just to brush it off. But when was the last time you, you took a step back and just really marveled, like, wow, our Savior came to this world, right, as an infant and lived as an example for us? This can be a dangerous time of year for us for that very reason. Our annual celebration of Christmas can immunize, immunize us to its reality, right? We hear just enough of the story to inoculate us against the real thing that we never really catch the true Christmas fever. And here's an idea that might help you recapture the marvel of Christmas. Pick one of the Christmas characters and put yourself in their sandals. One of the Christmas characters and put yourself in their sandals. Imagine what it must have been like to witness the Christmas story firsthand. Go ahead, pick one, Mary or Joseph. Imagine being Joseph, getting that, you know, that vision, like, okay, you got to marry this girl, you know, and, and you know, this is going to be the savior of the world. Imagine being Mary herself, getting that vision, like, you're going to have the savior of the world as your kid. <laughs> there you go. Like, imagine the, the marvel that they must have experienced through that. So the first step is become a marvel. The second step is to become a mover, become a mover. Take a look at verse 27. It says, moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. Now drop down to verse 38. It says, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God. This is talking about Simeon and Anna, those two characters that we were going over. It says, both Simeon and Anna were movers, right? They did things. They got things done. When the Holy Spirit prompted them to move, they didn't sit still. I wonder what would have happened if they hadn't responded. What would have been different? Actually, every one of the Christmas characters responded to the Spirit's leading, with the exception of Herod. Luke 2.38 says, Mary was ready to move when she, when she said to the angel, may it be to me as you have said. Joseph demonstrated that he was a mover when he woke up from his dream and did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do and took Mary home as his wife. The shepherds were movers as, as well when they said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that had happened. When God prompts you to do something, you need to do it. How many of you know that? When God prompts you to do something, you need to do it. It might mean salvation for some of you, right? If you, if you haven't made that commitment yet, if you feel God prompting you to make that decision, you need to do it. It might mean full surrender for the, others, for, for, uh, for the rest of us. You know, maybe you, you are a Christian, you've, you've made that decision, but there's still parts of your own life that you're keeping for yourself that you haven't surrendered fully over to God. Or maybe the Spirit wants to wants you to be more involved in serving people. And there's plenty of places that you can get plugged in here at Risen King. Do you sense him asking you to do something this morning? Are you a mover? Are you willing to move? Are you willing to get things done? Are you willing to move on behalf of Jesus? Don't procrastinate when God prompts you to do something. You may miss out on a miracle this Christmas season. And I'm really struck by what Simeon told Mary in verse 34. It must have taken her breath away. It says this, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. That's not really a joyful Christmas greeting, is it, right? He's not saying, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. <laughs> He's saying that your child will cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. But here's the truth. 
Christmas splits people into two camps, right? Since Jesus had entered the world, he has divided the human race. It's just who he is, right? You have to come to a decision about Jesus. He's either God or he's crazy and he's lying for what he said, right, in the Bible. But the Bible uses powerful imagery. Jesus is either a rock that you build your life on. That's the sense of rising. That's what they're talking about. Or he's the rock that you stumble over. That's the sense of falling. So that's the rising and the falling that Simeon was talking about, right? On the cusp of the last Christmas of the millennium, Jesus is calling each of us to a moral decision based upon our willingness to move and respond. We will either rise with him or fall. You can't stay neutral about Jesus. There's no gray area with him. You either are for him or you're against him. You're either moving closer to him or you're moving farther away. You either have the son or you don't. So the first step is to become a marveler. The second step is to become a mover. And the third is to become a messenger. Interestingly, as we work at becoming marvelers, we can't help but become movers. That leads us to the final action step to be a messenger, right? So they, they build upon each other. When you're a marveler, you're moved to action. When you're moved to action, you can't help but tell people. You can't help but bring this message. Verse 38 again says, She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Do you have family and friends who've been caught up in preparations for Christmas? Look at it this way. Maybe their anticipation and longings really represent an inner search for comfort and forgiveness, the things that only the Messiah can provide. God wants each of us to become messengers of the Christmas story. And as I conclude, I just want to ask the worship team to come forward. As you and I become marvelers, the wonder of Christmas will astonish us. Then as we become movers, our needs for comfort and forgiveness will be met. And as we take our role as messengers seriously, because as Christians, we're all called to be messengers, right? But not all of us take that seriously. I think we've all been there before. As we take that call seriously, we'll be in a position to introduce others to to the Christ of Christmas, right? So that they, in turn, can find out what they've been waiting for, can find what they've been waiting for. In a nutshell, Christmas is marvelous moving, is a marvelous moving message, Right? How can we not find what we've been looking for? And how can we keep quiet about it? Once you have the sun, you have everything. And I'm just going to conclude with this story here. It says, many years ago, there was a wealthy man who shared a passion for art collecting with his son. They had priceless works by Picasso, Van Gogh, and they, they were all adorning the walls of their family estate. As winter approached, war engulfed the nation, and the young man left to serve his country in war. After only a few short weeks, his father received a telegram. His son had died in the war. Distraught and lonely, the old man faced the upcoming Christmas holidays with anguish and sadness. The joy of the season had vanished with the death of his son. On Christmas morning, this man received a knock on the door that awoke him. As he walked out the door, the masterpieces of art on the walls only reminded him that his son was not coming home. As he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hands who said, I was a friend of your son. I was the one that he, was, that he rescued as he died. May I come in for a few minutes? I have something to show you. The soldier mentioned that he was an artist, and then he gave the old man the package. The paper gave way to reveal a portrait of the man's son. 
Though the world would never consider it the work of a genius, the painting featured the young man's face in striking detail. Overcome with emotion, the man hung the portrait over the fireplace, pushing aside millions of dollars worth of art. His task completed, the old man sat in his chair and spent Christmas gazing at the gift that he had been given. The painting of his son soon became his most prized possession, far eclipsing any interest in the pieces of art for which museums around the world clamored. The following spring, the old man died. The art world waited with anticipation for the upcoming auction. According to the will of the old man, the artworks would be auctioned on Christmas Day, the day that he had received his greatest gift. The day soon arrived, and art collectors from around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. Dreams would be fulfilled that day. The auction began with a painting that, not, that was not on anyone's museum list. It was the painting of the man's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid, but the room was silent. Who will open the bid with $100? No one spoke. Finally, someone said, who cares about that painting? It's just a picture of his son. Let's move on to the good stuff. The auctioneer responded, no, we have to sell this one first. Now who will take the son? Finally, a neighbor of the old man offered $10. That's all I have. I knew the boy, so I'd like to have it. The auctioneer said, going once, going twice, gone. The gavel fell. Cheers filled the room, and someone explained, now we can bid on the real treasures. The auctioneer looked in the room, filled with people, and announced that the auction was over. Everyone was stunned. Someone spoke up and said, what do you mean it's over? We didn't come here for a painting of someone's son. There are millions of dollars worth of art here. What's going on? The auctioneer replied, it's very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. Whoever takes the Son gets it all. That puts things into perspective, right? The message, isn't the, the message is the same this Christmas. If you have the Son, you have it all. No matter what you're going through this year, what you find yourself in, what situation you find yourself in, if you have the Son, you have it all.